0: So I'm watching the Brian Staveley channel, and I'm subscribed to him. Brian Staveley did some amazing work on 9-11 years ago. I'm talking six, seven years ago, maybe more than that. Phenomenal work. But since then, he has found himself ensnared in the flat earth. Uh, trap. I mean, trap implies uh, intentionality. I'm not sure the people who released flat earth are trying to trap people. It could be something that's just sort of... Uh, developed organically or of its own accord in a sense. Maybe we can talk about that later. But the point is that's why I'm subscribed to Brian Stapley's channel. Now, I was supposed to be doing something else and I allowed myself just to quickly check my YouTube subscriptions and I saw that he was talking about the Flat Earth Clues documentary. And so Temptation got the best of me and I posted a comment in his channel just saying, do the sudden flights exist or not? Do the southern flights exist? In other words, flights from South America to Australia, Australia to Africa, Africa to South America. Do these flights exist? Yes or no? Because back in 2015, we were being told that they do not. That's what we were being told. Of course, these flights do exist. And there is now overwhelming evidence that this is the case. And many flat earthers accept that this is the case. But I thought, is Brian Staveley? still doing the whole obfuscation. They don't exist. We don't know if they exist. There's lots of question marks around these flights, all that kind of crap. And uh, evidently, that is the case. That is what he posted in uh, in his live chat in response to me. And, uh, and then all of it, the people in his live chat started saying that I am a troll and I'm a shill, all this kind of crap. And it's been a few years since I've had any real Uh, involvement with uh, this F.E. scene and and since then I've learned a few things about the world and I now have this idea that perhaps a lot of people, maybe even the vast majority of people alive today, are no different in form and function from non-player characters and by that I mean they don't possess the capacity for self-reflective thought which is why they're so easily led and misled. And once they've been misled, they maintain that poor direction. They've got no self-awareness, no capacity to take a step back and think about what they're doing. And in many cases they don't appear to have any internal dialogue or monologue in the first place. They don't really seem to be reflecting on their own thoughts. And in my broader framework, which we don't have time to talk about today, I. I suggest, I posit, I hypothesise that perhaps this realm in which we live is populated by people who are, in form and function, no different to non-player characters. And there's a reason for this. Maybe the realm we live in is nothing like what most people seem to believe. And uh, these people are actually playing an important role. People like Brian Staveley and all of his Lemming followers who believe in this. Or maybe there's no Southern Flights because deep down they know it ruins flat Earth the people who go along with this, they actually serve a very important purpose in this world. And I mean an important purpose beyond just washing dishes and driving buses and working menial jobs, kind of jobs that I do as well. I've spent most of my life working menial jobs as well. But maybe these lemmings serve a more important purpose than just that. Maybe these non-player characters are part of a, a bigger world that has its own, I don't want to say purpose, but there are benefits that can come from this, from a world that is populated by a lot of people who can't actually think for themselves. And then I thought to myself, well, it's been a long time since I've tried to use YouTube streaming. Of course, my YouTube channel was deleted or terminated by YouTube back in, was it January of this year? So the best part of six months ago, the best part of. And so it's been a long time since I've done any streaming. Now, apparently they've changed their uh, studio, their creator studio in the interim, So it's a good thing that I used today as a trial to test out the streaming uh, software. It's still pretty easy to connect OBS to the YouTube stream. In fact, if anything, it seems easier. It seems like they've made the system easier from a a user's perspective. So that's good news. So depending on how this is coming through, I might even uh, try a live stream maybe tomorrow. I've got some time. I'm here in Kuala Lumpur waiting for my flight to Vietnam. I'm going to Ho Chi Minh City Wednesday next week. So that does give me a few days to do whatever the hell I want here, and I've got a few things to do, but it would be nice if I could spend uh, maybe a day or two just playing around with the old live streams. Those were the days. So let's take a look at who is in the live stream right now. Numby Numb says that the sergeant video is too loud. I'll turn that down now so you should be able to hear me. And uh, let me know in the live chat, guys, if you're out there. Let me know uh, what you can hear. Is the audio coming through all right? I've set up my microphone. I haven't, set up, uh, haven't really set it all up properly. Just set it up this morning to have a chat with somebody on Discord. But uh, hopefully the audio is coming through all right. And yeah, so Brian Stavely, is it, what I'm saying today is this meant to be taken as some kind of attack on Brian Stavely? No. No, no. If you're not familiar with his work on September 11, I recommend you go and check it out. Just YouTube Brian Staveley 911. Maybe if you Google Brian Stavely Fakeologist 11 you'll find some of the posts there. And the dude did remarkable work and I'm appreciative of some of the work he did. He pointed out a few things that I hadn't even thought of. So uh, so yeah, I'm not trying to attack or say anything bad about uh, Brian Staveley. What I am saying, though, let's go back to this. What I am saying is that Brian Staveley here has not progressed at all in the last couple of years from the FE thing. I pointed out some of the FE problems to him directly a couple of years ago and evidently he has continued to ignore these problems. Now we all do this, we all have a capacity for fallacious thinking and for biases. So if we have overarching belief systems or things that we want to believe, maybe things that we need to believe, we all have a capacity to ignore things that don't fit in with what we want to believe. This is very common, it's not unique to Brian, we're all guilty of it. The thing with Flat Earth is that what it shows you is the people who will do this to hold on to a belief system like Flat Earth. Like Flat Earth allows you to see who are people who are doing this for an abstract belief system. Who are doing this and who will defend to this and who will ignore the information. And we can all see that now. We can all see who are these people who are still obfuscating and all this kind of thing. But what I'm saying is let's analyze it further. What, why is it that these people do this? What does it tell us about them? And so I've come to the position now that if you were to model the behavior of these people, I think you could model it quite easily with bots in a video game. That's how they act. They act like programmed bots. You can guess what they're going to say before they even say it. Once you identify a few key features about them, from that point it's very easy to identify how they're going to respond to certain stimuli, how they're going to respond to certain things that you might say or questions you might ask. And so this is, not, uh, this is not isolated to F.E., but one of the cool things about F.E., one of the cool things about the rise of F.E., the spread of F.E. is what it's allowed us to see about people, uh, the regular humans day to day. And F.E. appeals to people of a wide spectrum. There are people who hold down good jobs and lead pretty normal lives who believe in F.E. There are stoners who are achieving nothing with their lives and just sitting on government jibs who are into F.E., and there's people everywhere in between. There are educated people who are into FE. There are people who struggle to pass high school who are into FE. Uh, there are males. There are females. There are young. There are old. It's there's a large cross section of society who, uh, people who find themselves engrossed in FE, the belief system, and the subculture, and the movement, the so-called movement, the rest of this. And so, what it allows us to see is, it allows us to get an insight into humans, into how they behave. Now, if it's the case that people like Brian Stavely and his lemming followers will still be in two years obfuscating the southern flights, four years after it was pointed out by me on the first ever episode of the Baller's Sceptic Round Table that you can fly from South Africa to Australia, and I know this because I've done it, four years since it was explained to these people that the flights do exist, are they still obfuscating? Yes, they are. What do you predict will be the case in a couple of years? they'll still be obfuscating, or at the very best, they'll try and somehow use, oh, well, the flights exist, but that helps our flat-earth belief system, you see. And so the point that I'm trying to make to you is, how are these people any different to non-player characters? If they don't have the capacity to think and to reflect, to be self-aware of their own beliefs, to at least try to address some of their own biases, if they don't have that capacity, how are they any different to non-player characters? You can play a game like Leisure Suit Larry or Grand Theft Auto, or any of any number of games where there are characters in the game who have backstories. You know you can walk up to them and you can ask them questions and they can answer you. This has been possible with technology for decades to have worlds, virtual worlds populated by people with backstories who can respond to questions and to things that you do. Now how are these people any different? That's what I'm asking. How are these people any different? If you can predict what they're going to say, and if what they say doesn't change, week to week, month to month, year to year, how are these people any different to non-player characters? Now, a lot of people, their instant response will be, oh, are you saying that we live in a simulation? No, I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I don't believe this is a simulation. What I'm talking about is the framework or the model that you might use to interact with and to predict the behaviours of these people. So I'm not talking about simulation theory. I can see that there is some kind of overlap. I can see how in some people's mind there's an overlap. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about these individuals, their behaviour, their apparent lack of thought. And what I'm asking is, how is that any different from a non-player character? And then, of course, the next question I ask is, why are you so confident that these people are not non-player characters? Oh no, they've 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 got to be real uh, sentient creatures with souls, just like me. They've got to be. Like I think about things and I reflect on things, and so all the other humans must do that too. You know, I'm capable of changing my mind over time, and I've got a documented history of changing my mind over time as new evidence comes to light and trying to get rid of some of the biases in my mind. And I'm aware of my potential failings, so. I'm constantly trying to think about well what is my evidence for this and am I willing to consider another perspective so I do all of that so of course all of these other creatures can do that that's what I used to think but now I realise that that's not the case the evidence says something very different the evidence suggests that the vast majority of these people are no different in form or function to non-player characters they are effectively scripted programmed no capacity for self-aware directed change okay so a human at least some of the humans do seem to be capable of changing their own programming if i can use that as an analogy they're capable of saying what is in my mind and why i'm going to change that so for one example somebody might realize hey i've always believed that drinking milk is good for my bones but why do i believe that i'm going to go and look into that hey, I've, I've noticed that none of the sources claiming this, none of the websites or uh, bodies who are claiming that milk is good for my bones, I don't, none of them actually provide any evidence. I'm going to go and look to see if I can find evidence. And then you find out, okay, there is no evidence to support this. Uh, it's a myth, it's a lie, it's a hoax. Okay, I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm not going to believe that milk is good for me. Even though I've been doing it for years and years, I went and looked for the evidence, there is none. I guess I'm going to stop now. No more drinking milk thinking that it's good for my bones. Right? Some people are capable of doing that. And not just once or twice, but as a constant process in their life. What do I believe is not true? I'm going to look into it. Why do I believe that? Hmm, is that really a good reason to believe that? I'm going to go and see if there's another perspective. So because some of us have been doing this for so many years now, we just assume the other humans can do this, but the evidence says no, they can't. And I would go so far as to say that maybe it's better this way. Maybe it's better that the world that we are in is populated by people who are incapable of change because it makes them predictable, because it allows us to make plans. Yeah? Suppose, for example, I was going to build a new business, a new restaurant. Well, I would want to know, or at least have a good indication of, what kind of customers my business might attract. So I would select an area where I know there's a certain amount of patronage and there's a certain socio-economic demographic that are likely to come here. And this needs to be predictable. Well, to, to make predictions about humans, you need to be able to infer that their future behaviour will be similar to their past behaviour. And so we live in a world that is largely about development. I'm looking out from the... Twi- right now as I speak... I'm on the 20th floor of an apartment complex in Kuala Lumpur. So I can see the whole city out there. Well, one part of the whole city. I'm obviously looking in one direction. But I I can see a whole city out there. Huge place, Kuala Lumpur. Huge place. I see skyscrapers all that in front of me. Some of them as large as the building I'm in. Some of them larger, actually. Or at least higher up than the 20th floor where I'm sitting right now. And this is all development. And so this development requires the ability to make predictions about the future. And humans are incredibly predictable because they're consistent, because they don't change, because, I'm suggesting, they're not capable of self-directed change. They are in form and function, no different to non-player characters. Now, let me go and check the live stream chat. Let's have a look here. Uh, let's see, we've got a few people in the live chat. I'm being told that my mic is not loud enough. Well, let me see if I can boost the audio. Mic aux What if I do this? How about that? Is that louder? Someone let me know in the live stream chat. So this wasn't meant to be a long show. I just wanted to test out the, the uh, YouTube live streaming. I've got a channel back now. It's great. I had uh, thousands of subscribers and then the channel was deleted. This happens from time to time. No point complaining about it. If you want to use YouTube's platform, there's always a chance they might delete it. And let's be honest, none of us are paying money to use this. So it's their service, they delete you, fair enough. But uh, after a few months break, I came back and restarted the channel. And now the channel is up to over 100 subscribers, which means I'm allowed to stream, which is awesome. So that is what I'm doing. And uh, and yeah, I think all going well. Hopefully this is, this has is worked out. I still need to fiddle with OBS, but I might. what I might do is <clears throat> I might organize a stream during the week. What's, what's today? Thursday. It's already the end of the week, isn't it? Practically. I might organize a stream for tomorrow. I'll see how I feel and uh, maybe we can discuss all of these topics and more. Let me know in the live stream chat if you're listening. There's a few people there whose names remind me of my time in the FE scene. Tell me, Laurie or Validation Boy or numb. Num. Tell me, uh, are you guys still following the FE scene? And uh, if so, why? Like, why do you do that? Is it because you are into FE still, like you believe it, or is it because you're, you've you got relationships with people there, like uh, friendly kind of relationships, so it's just nice to talk to people you know, or what is it that keeps you paying attention to it all? And how, how big is Brian Staveley in this now? He's a guy who I know from 9-11 from years ago, but now FE is his big thing, I guess. Uh, validation Boy says that he pays YouTube $12 a month for no commercials and other perks. That's interesting, Validation Boy. If you do that, does that mean they're less likely to delete your channel? Like, is it kind of, if you pay the $12 a month, you're a customer, so they're less likely to delete you? But do you have more freedom in what you upload now to YouTube? Because my attitude was always put only put out stuff that's relatively non-controversial on YouTube... And then my main stuff, put that on my website, which has nothing to do with YouTube. So in other words, it's kind of like, check out the YouTube video. If you like this, guess what? The real stuff is on the website. Go and check it out there. YouTube can't delete me. They can't delete my website. And uh, that method, that strategy worked for a few years. It was really cool. I think it worked out very well. One of the, uh, when you're doing what I'm trying to do, some of your ideas are gonna work out great. Some of them will work out terrible. So it's just a matter of constantly thinking of ideas and trying them and seeing what works. And the YouTube basic video, nothing too controversial, point towards the website where I can say whatever the hell I want, uh, that's worked out really well for me. But now I'm thinking, what if, if you pay the $12 to YouTube, does that mean they're less likely to delete you? Because if that's the case, that might be a, a solid investment. What's $12 a month? That's nothing. So if that makes them less likely to delete you, that's probably money well spent, VB. NumbyNum says, I don't believe anything. I've mostly stopped paying attention. You mostly don't believe anything. Is that really true, though? Like, Say people who have had it pointed out to them that these Southern flights exist. When they then turn around and say, oh, maybe they exist, maybe they don't, surely you have beliefs about this. Like, my belief, for instance, would be, well, this person is very biased. They're they're incapable of assessing their own bias now. They're going to obfuscate the existence of the flights because the flights ruin FE, but they want FE to be real, so due to that bias, they're going to obfuscate the fact of the matter. Yeah? Now, why would you want to spend too much time taking obfuscationists and people with these massive biases seriously? You might use them as the basis for your own exploration of what humans are, like your own sociological or uh, psychological assessment of these people. But in terms of just listening to them passively to pass the time, holy shit, what a, what a thing to do to oneself. Goodness gracious. Validation Boy, in response to my question, says, I'm suspecting it may be so. In, my question was, does paying the money uh, make them less likely to delete you? And he says, I'm suspecting it may be so. I've been saying very anti-them with parentheses stuff and getting away with much more in general than in past times. Well, there you go. So I don't know if this premium account thing is a new development in the last six months. I don't remember this being a thing before I got deleted. Maybe it was, I don't know. But um, there you go, guys. So all these people complaining about censorship... Now, this would be interesting, wouldn't it? What if YouTube came out and said, yeah, it's true, we do delete a lot of controversial stuff, but we are not going to delete you so quickly if you pay $13 a month, $12.99 a month. If you have a premium account, we might still censor you, but we'll be a lot more relaxed with what you say. And if you do do anything wrong, we will give you every chance to delete that video before we delete you, right? So... So in other words, if you want to use our uh, service for free, we're just going to treat everything controversial as too bad you can't do it, you know, because we have to protect our interests, our stakeholders, blah, blah, blah. Give some nonsense explanation for it. But if you pay 13 US a month for argument's sake, we will uh, not censor you anywhere near as much. And we definitely won't delete you the way that we've been deleting people for years. If that were to happen hypothetically, would all of these people complaining about censorship pay the money, would they? Would they? Or to be, no, no, you owe us this for free. You owe it to us for free. And this is typical of the loser mindset, of the victim mentality mindset, is for people to think that they're owed something by somebody else. You have all these servers all over the world and this easy-to-use YouTube upload function. You owe it to us for free to say whatever we want. Uh, No, we don't, but we'll give it to you for $13 a month. Nope, not going to pay it. Loser mentality. That'd be interesting. Unlikely for YouTube to ever come out and be explicit about their their rules. But if it gets out that, yeah, man, just pay the money and they won't censor you, will we see more people going for the premium route? Very interesting, BB. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Gives me some things to think about. Uh, Let's see, who else is in the live chat? Let me just scroll back here. What have we got here? Uh, Brandon Berry is in the live chat. Brandon Berry left a fascinating comment on my website yesterday, my time. Looking forward to responding to that. I've been talking about this notion that most of the people are no different to non-player characters now. Uh, And I've been using the film Total Recall as a way to explore this idea. This idea that this realm that we're in does sometimes seem to be a little bit programmed and a little bit like a dream. And that's what we see in Total Recall, 1990, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sharon Stone, Michael Ironside. That's what we see. We see uh, a world that is part scripted, part dream. And so I'm using that film as a basis to explore this idea that, yeah, are are all the other people in this world as real, are they as similar to me as I thought they were? Because the evidence says, no, they're not. No, they're not at all. And then, well, what if what if in Total Recall, Quade went on his little dream reality, but there's no other people there? Like, his dream depended on having other people around, didn't it? To make the whole thing fun. Well, maybe this world, we need the non-player characters as well. You could argue that if it weren't for the non-player characters, I wouldn't have been able to do this stream today because I wouldn't have had a subject to talk about, Brian Stapley and his Lemming followers. I I need the non-player characters here, so that I have something to talk about, don't I? So it's not even a bad thing. I'm not not saying it's a bad thing. If it is the case that we live among, like we live in a world populated by non-player characters, is that necessarily such a bad thing? I don't think so. It's kind of cool in a way. It it, it all depends on your perspective, really, how you look at it. Doesn't it? It depends how you look at it. All about perspective. But yeah, I was meant to uh, go to the gym like an hour ago. There's a really cool gym. Well, not a cool gym. There's a gym in this apartment complex that I'm in, which is really cool. That's what I was trying to say. So there's a gym here, which is cool, and I want to go and use it. And I was meant to leave this place like an hour ago, but sometimes you, uh, you get distracted, don't you? So I'm going to go and do a gym session, head down to the cafe, sit at my computer, reply to some emails, reply to some comments. Looking forward to that. Maybe write a script for a video. And then go and do something else this evening. I'm in a big city now, which is awesome. Previously, for the last four weeks, I've been in a tiny little city where there was nothing to do, unless you want to drink, which I do want to drink, but I'm trying not to. So I spent four weeks not drinking, not going out, not doing much. It was uh, boring as shit, man. Because there's nothing to do there. Whereas here in KL... There is heaps to do. There's heaps of meetups, heaps of people. So I'll just go out and uh, and meet people and hopefully have some fun. And get out of the of the apartment, and then in six days' time, I'm off to Ho Chi Minh City. That's right. Never been to Vietnam. I've heard good things. I've heard really good things, but we'll see. Uh, any more comments to read out, or is it time to wrap this one up? Let's take a look. Uh, do you enjoy city life in foreign countries? That one comes to us from Jerry Gergich. My answer is, yeah, I think I enjoy city life a lot more than than being in areas that are smaller. The thing is, I haven't been to any proper small villages. I and tried to stay there. I've only really... I mean, where have I been? Okay, Phuket's tiny. And yeah, apart from alcohol, boring. Beautiful, but boring if you're not drinking. I've been in Kuala Lumpur. Big city, heaps to do. No need to drink. You can still go out and meet people, have fun. And Kuching, smaller city. There's no meetup groups there. There's no Reddit activity. In terms of going out and meeting people, uh, no, uh, very boring. So, that, and that's just my experience. I'm not, you know, who who am I? I'm just one person. So, take everything I say with a grain of salt. But that was just my experience. So, yeah, based on my limited experience so far, I would say I'm probably more suited to big cities at the moment, and uh, and yeah, I do enjoy Kuala Lumpur. It's been good, it's been real good. Uh, but I'm still early in the trip, so maybe in maybe in a few months' time, I'm like, nah, man, the city's a crap. Come out to this tiny little uh, community on the on the coast of Vietnam, where there's no one here, you know, this is the place to be. You know, I could I could change my mind based on experience. But yeah, I mean, the thing about KL is I can jump onto Meetup.com and just put in the events within 20 k's of KL and all these events come up like for instance there's one this evening it's an entrepreneurial meetup and they've got like 120 people of RSVP'd now are all of the uh, of the 120 people who RSVP'd going to turn up well I've used meetups a lot very rarely does everyone turn up but even if half of those people turn up there's 60 people where I can just walk up to any one of them and say hey how are you going what's your name oh yeah cool well, my name's John. What do you do? Oh, you do that. Oh, that's cool. What do I do? Oh, I run this online business, blah, 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 right? In bigger cities, you can do that. In smaller cities, good luck. Good luck. It doesn't work that way. So, uh, so that's why so far, yeah, I do like the big cities. Uh, any other questions? Let's have a look. Validation Boy says, you're right on target. It really is about my money. They still... Straight to my view counts. In other words, keep his view counts below. VB is one of these people who believes that. Actually, I don't want to speak for VB. Maybe VB believes that he's getting more views than it says he's getting, so they're artificially deflating the figure that's given on the video. In which case, I think he might be deluded, or he just thinks they're not auto-playing his videos. If people search for his key terms, his video is not played, so he's getting less views because of YouTube's so-called algorithms. And if that's the case, yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, I think that does happen. So if that's happening to you, yeah, fair enough. That that does happen when you deal with controversial topics. For some reason, you're probably not going to be uh, promoted by YouTube's auto-promotion so-called algorithms. Uh, let's see. Brandon Berry says, just being a fly on the wall as usual... I liked your clarification of the NPC analogy earlier. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm still working on the, on the framework. I'm still working on the theory. And uh, I mean, even... Just to give one example, suppose I go out to this meetup this evening. I will do what I usually do, and I uh, just keep my eyes peeled and listen, try and read the room, get an idea of what's going on. And then I will try to interact with the people. Either they will be warm and friendly, and they'll come and say hello to me, Or I will have to walk up to people and just say hello, which is something I can do, no problem. And then I will talk with these people just like I always talk with people, get to know them. What are you here for? What do you do? What's your interests? Oh, really? Cool. You know, and people love to talk about themselves. They love it. Uh, It's very rare for people to meet someone like me who can just listen and take it all in. So usually most people, once they realize that you're there to listen, they, they can't wait to tell you all about what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. And so I'll be paying attention. And I'll just be treating them like I treat people, right? In the back of my mind though, there'll be this element of how long is it gonna take me to work out if I can predict what comes next? Most people have a backstory and from that backstory, you can predict everything else that follows. So Yeah, it's pretty full on, really. But then again, sometimes you meet people and they don't seem like non-player characters, necessarily. And uh, that's always a trip. There's a scene in Waking Life where the main character, Waking Life, Richard Linklater, I want to say 2001, Waking Life, Linklater. I want to say 2001, around that time. There's a scene where the main character is walking along and this dude jumps off a train and he's like... Hey, are you a dreamer? They say that dreaming is dead. It's not dead, it's just been forgotten. Nobody knows it because nobody teaches it. You know, maybe maybe the non-player characters can become self-aware if, if, uh, if a self-aware creature interacts with them. Then again, maybe the non-player characters are just there and that's all they can possibly be. I don't know. I honestly don't know don't know yet don't know would you prefer a world where the NPCs can become self-aware because if that were the world then some people might feel inclined to go and do that whereas I'm like well that non player character seems happy why would I want to make him self-aware self-awareness brings all of the problems that come with thinking about things anxieties doubts neuroses nah fuck it man leave him he's happy Leave that non-player character. Oh, but what, what if what if this is the job? The job is to make them more self-aware. Well, to what end? What difference would that make? The world is what it is. It's on its path. But then it's like, well, what if... No, what if the non-player characters can never become self-aware? They really are like scripted bots uh, with a with base-level programming that cannot be altered. Well, then how many how many non-NPCs are out there? Are there any out there, man? Are there any out there? i like to think so. I think I've got some good evidence that I know at least a few. Hmm, Interesting, man. Things to ponder. Things to ponder in between sets down at the old apartment gym. They've got a rooftop pool here as well. A rooftop pool. I went there just before it closed last night. There was no one there. There was no one there. I'm hoping this is one of those apartment complexes with a cool pool that no one uses. Because I was in one of those last time I was in KL, a month or so ago, and yeah, I pretty much had the whole pool to myself, man. It was epic. It was epic, man. Every night, you just go to the pool, no one there. You got a whole pool to yourself. It was sweet. But that pool had pretty ordinary views, man. The views weren't that good from that pool, truth be told. Whereas this one, the views are epic. So if I've if I've got a place with pool with a pool where there's no one there and it's just my pool, oh man, there's gonna be six kick-ass days. Then again, if I get there and there's people there, maybe I can just talk to them. Oh yeah, how are you going? Oh what are you doing here? Oh yeah, cool. Yeah. it's all about perspective, man. There's good from either of those outcomes, isn't there? Let's see. Numby numb says how I stopped worrying and learned to love the NPCs. Funny you say that, numby numb. I once wrote an article called 37 Things Normies Believe. And I remember where I was when I wrote that. In fact, I was at a McDonald's. And I'm not proud of it, but that's where I was. Because at the time I was staying with a family member and that was the nearest cafe, or the nearest thing that even resembles a cafe was the nearest McDonald's. And so, uh, yeah, I went and sat there, plugged my computer in, sat down, and started typing. But the original title of that article was... How I Learned... I I called it Dr. Blackpill. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Despair. And this is going back, I don't know, two and a half years now. Uh, A lot of those black pills early on are pretty full-on, aren't they? Actually, it must have been second half 2016. So, yeah, two and a half years, yeah, is what it would have been. The, The article 37 Things Normies Believe, which is one of the most important... Pieces on my uh, on my website for a bunch of reasons it was originally entitled How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love to Spare. So there you go, Doctor Blackbill. Uh, do you tell them what your site is about? Generally, no. Generally, no. I do not tell people uh, what my website is about. They'll ask, and then I'll just say, Oh, I I run a website that is based on niche topics, and uh, it's a subscription site. So I produce content. That's usually what I say. I just produce content. And it's it's you'd be you'd be amazed how rare it is that people ask you any more questions than that. You'd be amazed. Once you get into the habit of asking people questions about them and listening, oh really? And then when you start that, you'll be amazed. People can't wait to tell you everything, because no one's listening. No one listens to anybody. No one gives a shit. So most of the time, once once people meet me and I'm taking interest in what they do, they don't have much time to ask me questions. All they want to do is tell me their stories. But uh, on the rare occasion that somebody asks more questions, yeah, I do tell them what I do. But I don't go into any detail about the more controversial stuff. I'll give you an example. My last night in Kuching, I went to a thing with maybe eight or ten other people, uh, mostly Westerners, who were either long-term expats in Kuching or... uh, medium like short to medium term travelers like myself and one of the guys there i'd met him a few weeks prior and uh he had seen because i'm running a blog that's separate to my main website just a kind of like a travel blog kind of it's not monetized it's just for me to i guess share and record what i'm doing and so anyway he had managed to check out from that blog where i post like one link to my my main website He'd managed to find my main website. Anyway, so I'm sitting there. This is two nights ago at a... Uh, how would you describe it? In in Malaysia, certainly in Kuching, and I'm sure many other parts of Asia, There and, and maybe the rest of the world as well, I don't know, but there are these places that are like... It's, it's an open... Kind of like an open bazaar. There's a, a roof to keep out the elements, but then all around, there's just tiny little stalls, and this stall will sell... I don't know um, a curry this stall will sell little miniature burgers this stall will sell drinks and uh, and so you, it's like full of smoke like smoky barbecue and and people all sit in the middle uh, at tables and then they just go from one, you know from their table to a, to this stall or to that stall and I'm not sure if all of the owners of the stalls are actually all part of the same business or if they're all separate businesses and or if they're all from the same family I don't know But anyway, that's where we were sitting. And so this guy says to me, and he was a nice guy, and he says to me, um, this is what he says to me. He looks at me and he goes, hey, with your website, do you actually believe everything that you say? Now, I don't know what part of my website this guy has seen. So I don't know what he's talking about specifically. And he has gone and found my site of his own accord. Like I wasn't hiding it from him, but I wasn't telling him where to find it. So he's had enough interest to go and and find it, obviously. And, and so, yeah, he, sa- he says to me, do you actually believe all the things you're saying? Or are you just saying this to be controversial or for shock value? I don't remember his exact words, but his sentiments. You get the, the picture I'm painting here. And you've got to understand, all of my really controversial stuff is behind the paywall, which he clearly hasn't seen. So obviously, even just the surface level stuff, he finds so outrageous, so controversial, so crazy that in his mind he's thinking, Oh, this dude is is just saying this stuff to cause controversy or to generate uh, click like um, uh, how do you say click throughs to generate uh, page views you know to make money basically and and I thought about it for a moment and I'm like, well." I can answer this question in one of two ways here. I can tell this guy the truth, like the blatant, to the point truth, which is, oh yeah, not only do I believe everything I'm saying, but you don't even know the tip of the iceberg of what I really believe, right? Or I can play this more diplomatically. Well you see, when I'm making a thumbnail or I'm putting in a title, sometimes I'll use words that I know will capture attention. Uh, but a lot of my basic points are things I think are important, such as the education system, etc. right? So still being honest, but not giving him the the direct full truth, you see, or the direct full account of of the state of things. So I gave him the more diplomatic answer because why? Like why, you know, you're sitting there, there's like, I don't know, seven, eight other people, so many things to talk about, Do I want to get into an argument with this well-meaning, lovely fellow? Uh, Do I want to waste my time? Like time is of the essence here, you know? Because I know exactly where this is going to go. Well, guess what? My answer, even though I tried to make it relatively diplomatic, clearly was not diplomatic enough, or clearly not... I don't know the word, but I clearly didn't achieve my objective because next thing this guy is going on about... Uh, you can trust the TV. Like, why would you question what the TV says? And I'm like, oh, man. And, uh, yeah, if I knew, like, you'd think by now I'd know. You'd think by now I would know better. But no. And I was like, well, we know the TV does lie. Th- this is a man, he's older than me. This guy was like, I don't know, 40. Th- this is a man who ought to know better. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, you can't trust the TV. And I'm like, like, that's, that's where I really should have just ended it. But anyway, I'm like, well, you know, it has lied to us about things before. And I should have used the Naira testimony example. But foolishly, I used the weapons of mass destruction example. I had forgotten that in some people's mind that maybe Saddam did have weapons of mass destruction. They still believe that. So to him, that's not a lie. And it's like, oh, goodness gracious. And then he said to me, well, how about the flat earth? Do you really believe flat earth? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he had gotten the impression from my website that I believe in Flat Earth. And I was like, Bro, I made like fifty videos explaining why flat earth is nonsense. And he was surprised by that. Because he had somehow gotten the impression I'm a flat earther from from just checking out my website. I don't I don't understand how someone could get that impression because Anyway, that's the impression he had gotten. So he was a bit surprised by that. And then, I, and then I explained to him, well, I interviewed a whole bunch of flat earthers back in 2015, and I listened to what they had to say. This is what I said to him, like, maybe people think that I'm a flat earther because I listened to what they had to say. I didn't just attack them. I listened. Yeah, I even bought one of their books, and I uh, gave myself every chance to get my head around what they were saying. And then once those interviews were finished, subsequent to that, after that, I went on a bit of a, what would you call it? Like I made video after video after video, yeah? I got on a roll of just making all of these videos saying, well, here's all the problems with it though, guys. Here's all the problems. And uh, and then I said to him, I've even had people email me from around the world saying that thanks to my work, they no longer are flat earthers. Like they, w- they were flat earthers, but thanks to me, they started to question it more and now they can say it's all crap. Which is true, that has happened. People from all around the world have told me directly, either in emails or comments or conversations, that my work helped them to see that flat earth is complete nonsense. Yeah? And so this all obviously surprised him because he had had this impression I was a flat earther. And then from there he started going on about, oh, this, this is where I made a mistake. Then he said to me, we know gravity is real. And then I made the mistake of saying, well, actually gravity is a theory to explain the phenomenon of things falling. Okay, Because, of course, this person, being a regular person, he, just like all the regular people, believes that when something falls, that that is gravity. Of course, gravity is a theory that is used to explain the falling. So you can have the falling without gravity. Okay, gravity is a theory to explain it. Gravity might be a good theory, it might be a bad theory, but it's a theory to explain the phenomenon. But the average person thinks that gravity is the phenomenon. They, they think they're the same thing. That's how poor the education system is. That's, the, the education system is designed to churn out thoughtless, brainless lemmings. That's the fact of the matter. And of course, most of them are thoughtless and brainless. That's another fact of the matter. So when he said to me, oh, but we know gravity's real, I was like, well, well my response was, no, gravity's a theory. We know the phenomenon of things falling is real. And then that led to him going on about airplanes... And how we have to trust the experts. And it was just like, I had that voice made going, Man, you should know better than this. Where do you think this conversation was going to go? Me, of all people, should have known better. So yeah, so that went on for a little while. He he was a nice guy. like He wasn't getting argumentative or anything, but just a complete waste of my time because this is going nowhere. And there's other people to talk to, of course, at the table. Fortunately, I got to speak to them later in the evening, uh, only briefly. But uh, that was nice to chat with them. But, uh, yeah, once you identify the kind of person a person is, you know where it's going to go. That doesn't mean necessarily make the best decisions about how to deal with a particular question, in my case, about my website. Hopefully, if that comes up tonight... No, not if it comes up. Hopefully, when this comes up tonight, I will uh, have an improved response to that situation. Like, if anyone has taken the time to check on their phone, the website for instance, do you really believe, I mean, it's gonna be different tonight in the context. People won't have time to check it out. This guy had clearly checked it out to some degree. People won't. But um, when when this comes up again, whether it's tonight or in the future, I think my answer will be more along the lines of, well, my website is a form of entertainment. Sometimes you need to use eye-grabbing thumbnails or titles. But what I actually believe is more nuanced it's a, it's a long story. Something like that. You know, that's, that's like a 30 or 40 word answer. Something like that. It is the truth, but it's not telling them all they need to know or all that they don't need to know. No, no, like some of what you see there is more uh, intentionally eye-grabbing, but, but my broader framework is more nuanced than that. But one thing I did get right a couple of nights ago was when someone said to me specifically, because somebody else said to me specifically, what's your content about? I gave them the example of the education system. And I said to them, how is it possible that people can do 12 years of school and come out the other side and not be able to identify a logical fallacy, which of course most people can't. Most people can't tell you what is a non-sequitur. And when they realise they can't work it out, they're not going to go and look it up to find out either. How is that possible? The education system is not designed to create thinking people and, uh, or to assist people or, or to encourage them to think about things, really. And, and that was good. People, that seems to resonate with people. Uh, you know, a lot better than saying to them, well, the moon landings are fake. Yeah, or outer space is a hoax. Or dinosaurs never existed. Or humans did not evolve from simpler species. Yeah. Or war is a hoax. Or wingless missiles don't exist, can't exist. They're physically impossible. Nuclear bombs are a hoax. Uh, no, don't go near any of that stuff. Just start with the education system. 12 years of school. And this idiot can't tell me what a non-sequitur is. Yeah? Functionally retarded. That's what the education system exists to do, to to churn out functionally retarded people. People who are just good enough to do their basic menial jobs. Which is not necessarily even a bad thing. Because somebody had to do the light fittings for this room that I'm in. This room that I'm in, this is an Airbnb. This is a nice place, man. Now, I didn't build this. I wouldn't even know how that somebody had to install the light fittings. These are nice light fittings, man. Makes me feel like I'm in a a sophisticated uh, place for well-to-do, successful people. Makes me feel good. You know, aesthetics, this this idea that how things look affects us, I think is obviously true. This idea that that good aesthetics are good for us is true. That's why most of us like to have houses that look nice, like on the inside, make us feel good. Well, someone had to install those light fittings. Now, can you imagine spending your whole day installing light fittings? Holy shit! The person doing that job, you probably don't want them thinking too much because it would send them mad, make them angry, make them resort to drinking when they get home to numb the pain of their banal existence. So you need an education system, or, or maybe perhaps you are better off with an education system that churns out brainless lemmings so that somebody can do the light fitting job but never get depressed, still be happy. Still be a happy person. Right? Same with that fan. Same with whoever had to move all this furniture into this place. Whoever did the painting here. Right? Imagine painting all day. If you were a very thinking person, painting all day could be uh, a real chore. Yeah? Um, same with fast food. I used to work in fast food. Like, I'm just glad that the people I worked with were fun people so we could just talk shit all day. If I was having to sit there, making burgers by myself, I would have gone mad. And sometimes I did have to do that at the end of the shift, because I'd go down to a skeleton crew, you'd have no one there, so yeah, that sucked. But at least when you had other people around, it was pretty, it was fun, you know, not such a problem. Whereas there are a lot of menial jobs that do, that are done by people on their own. Do you really want them to be left alone to their thoughts? Maybe it's better they're left off on their own with no thoughts, because they're non-player characters, effectively. So, yeah, the education system. So, yeah, that's one thing I did get right a couple of nights ago. I stuffed up with the guy on my left-hand side, gave him too much information, got engaged in a go-nowhere conversation, but later on, yeah, education system. What is your content about? Well, it's, um, it's about a lot of things, but for instance, education system. Got that one right. But it's all a learning experience, isn't it? You get some things right, make some mistakes, try and improve the next time around. That's what self-aware people do anyway. There aren't many of us. There aren't many of us out there, from from what I can tell. Most of them, no self-awareness. Completely hopeless. Uh, Let's see. What else is going on in the live chat? Let's see here. I feel like... This is Brandon Berry. says, I feel like I can read minds of some of these cookie-cutter characters too. Yeah, I bet you can. That's, That's the point, man. You can. You can. I can. Lots of people out there, if they put their mind to it, would be capable of this. Learn their backstory, and you know what's coming from that point forward. It's all very predictable. Jerry Gergich says, "Entrepreneurs sounds like a bunch of cheesy salespeople. I'd rather chew on my tinfoil hats." Have you ever been an entrepreneur? Have you ever tried to start your own business at any point in your life, as a child selling lemonade or um, mowing people's lawns, Have, or um, you know maybe once you reached adulthood? you know, maybe trying to, uh, I don't know, design logos for people on Fiverr, or have you ever done anything that involves you being your own employer? Because I can tell you this, man, if my, if my website disappeared tomorrow, if all of this disappeared tomorrow, and I had to move back to Australia and just get a regular job, the last couple of years of running my own business have taught me a lot about myself, about people, about business, about how the world really works, about how the mind works. It's a, it's a phenomenal experience. And uh, and entrepreneurship is about this. It's about trying to come up with something that people want, okay? Do people in your neighborhood need someone to mow their lawns? Are all the people in this neighborhood old or fat or lazy? Is there some reason why they can't do it themselves? Because if so, then whoever can come along and offer a service is going to be doing a good thing, right? These people would rather pay the $10 to the kid to go and mow their lawns than do it themselves, right? You would rather have $10 in your pocket and, hey, what else are you doing for that hour? deduct your costs, you've made $6, right? You do that a few times on a weekend, all of a sudden you've got more pocket money than the other kids, yeah? Entrepreneurship is something that should be encouraged, I think, uh, if you want people to develop as people. And it's something people should try. And I'm certainly glad that I've tried it with my website. In a field where people said it can't be done, lot of people saying, oh, you can't do that, it'll never work, blah, blah, blah. Well, where are those people now? Hmm, where are they now? Show them to me, so I can laugh. Idiots. If you think you can do it, there's a good chance you can do it. And that's what entrepreneurship will teach you. Now, this particular meetup tonight, I'm sure there will be some salespeople in there, but until I go there, how can I know? You know, this idea of having an open mind, everybody says they've got an open mind until their mind is tested, and all of a sudden, it's closed. Closed like a cooching bakery shop. Let's see. War is a hoax. This is numby numb now. War is a hoax, the most profound hoax. I don't know if it's the most profound, hoax, but it certainly is important, once you get your head around it, that as a child, you were trained, indoctrinated, to grieve the deaths of millions of people who never died. Uh, If you're someone who believes in ideas such as karma or spiritual energy, this idea that there's more to you than just atoms, then this idea that they're training children to grieve people who never died, millions of them, That is significant. And then you think about the effect of trauma based, and I don't like saying trauma based mind control because that's such a conspiratard trope these days, but the idea that trauma can affect us later in life, our thoughts and our decisions, like trauma early in life affects what happens later, which to me is obviously true. Well, you traumatize generations of children into believing that millions of people died, you know, for no reason, for your freedoms, and it could happen again. That is full on. And that's why the people at fakeologist.com who deny the war hoax, who still want to claim that war is real, these people are spiritual murderers. And they will get their comeuppance. Uh, Let's see, Brandon says, if everyone was a millionaire, we wouldn't have janitors to pick up after us. Well, I, I try to clean up my own mess whenever I'm out, but I get the point that they're making. Yeah, I mean, the world is never going to be, all complete equality. Even something as simple as, on this apartment complex, there's probably more people who want to live on the higher floor than on the bottom floor. Like, this, this apartment complex makes for a nice analogy to how the, the world really works. You can't have everyone living on the 40th floor. Someone is going to have to live on the 3rd floor, the 7th floor, the 10th floor, just by the nature of, of the way a building is constructed so it is with social dynamics. There'll always be people at the top and people at the bottom. And from a financial perspective and from a social perspective, like a, a social, um, how would you say, social power perspective, I and pretty much everyone who ever listens to this, this call, this podcast, this uh, whatever it is, we're at the bottom, aren't we? Yeah, we don't have millions of dollars in the bank. We don't have millions of Instagram followers. We don't have political persuasion we're just regular lemmings in that sense and why is that a problem it is what it is, this is the world we live in yeah I think a lot of people in the conspiracy culture in the act realm as I call it, alternative conspiracy, truth, they pretend they've got a problem with the system but only because they're not at the top of it it's not really the system that's the problem, it's their position, but they pretend they've got a problem with the system no no They've got no problem with the system. They just wish that they were at the top. Tranquility Pyramids says it's flat. Okay, if you say so. It must be flat. All right. Uh, Numby Num says, I think the idea, and I think they're referring to school here, I think the idea of school is to prevent people from becoming philosophers, the natural human occupation, because it is generally unproductive well what what do you mean by productive i think they mean um you know productive for building the development making you know building buildings fitting light fittings painting the walls getting the furniture up there uh, building new roads and new bridges and new uh, civil constructions and all these kinds of things yeah it is like how does thinking help any of that it doesn't does it so it's not necessary so why would you teach the people to do that yeah fair enough And uh let's see. Tranquility Pyramid says, well, it's not a spinning ball. Yeah, I agree with you about that. I agree with you that the official heliocentric model, that we're all living on a ball, that we're actually living on a physical ball. Okay, this is the Neil deGrasse Tyson story. That you and I are right now living on a gigantic ball that is spinning around, what is it, a thousand miles an hour at the equator? It's been a long time since I've looked at this stuff. I think it's about a thousand miles an hour at the equator. We're on this ball that's spinning, but but worse than that, it is hurtling around the sun at some ungodly speed. What is it? Hundreds of thousands of miles an hour. Some some ridiculous thing going around the sun. But like the, this is actually physically happening, right? Not just a model, but this is actually the physical truth. Absolutely ridiculous. Now that being said. That doesn't mean that the heliocentric model is not still a useful model, okay? Because people don't understand the difference between the map and the terrain, okay? The heliocentric model is just a model. Of course, most people are so stupid, they think that things falling is gravity. So they think the heliocentric model is the Earth. Oh, well, the model is that we're going around the Sun, so we're actually going around the Sun. No, they're separate things. Now, the question is, can the heliocentric model be used to explain observations and make predictions? And I think the answer is, yes, it can. Yes, it can. For the solar system. The idea of a universe and black holes and all this nonsense, no, that's completely ridiculous. But in terms of the lights in the sky, yeah, if you were to imagine that there is a sun and then there's a few balls all lined up hurtling around the sun and that the earth is the third one from the sun and that all of these balls have different rotation periods... You could use this, fictional imagination, or you could even do like a little physical, um, like an actual physical model if you wanted to, like a small scale model. You can use this to predict where the lights will be in the sky and it will work. That's a fact. Now that doesn't mean that you actually live on a ball. That's a different thing. Same as gravity, the theory, is not things falling. Okay, they're related, but they're separate. Most people are so utterly stupid, they cannot understand that distinction. Imagine how dumb you have to be to not understand that distinction. Well, that's most people. Including most people in the flat earth scene. Almost all of them, from what I can tell. But even people in the, the pro-Neil deGrasse Tyson scene, the Reds or Rhetorics and these people, they too cannot understand this distinction. From what I can gather. But the heliocentric model is not the same as we live on a giant spinning ball. This idea that we actually... Fiz- that I, right now, am on a giant spinning ball, that's ridiculous. But the model... The heliocentric model, is it a valid model? I say for the solar system, yes it is. But I've got a better model. Want to hear more about it? Just go to johnlebon.com. Well, I think that's going to do us for today. I've wasted enough time. I mean, hopefully it hasn't been a waste. I might convert this into a podcast and upload it for people to listen to us an MP3. Now, if I knew I was going to go for this long, I would have started off more more uh, sensibly haven't really been in character today, have I? haven't really been all perky and, hey, 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 whoa, hey, you know? But uh, hopefully I've discussed some things worth listening to. So today is the 13th of June, 2019. John the Bond coming to you from Petaling Jaya. Petaling Jaya. Jaya? Jaya? Petaling Jaya or Jaya in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Beautiful country. Amazing city. Wow. Cost of living, very low. Food, delicious. Transport, terrific. Weather, manageable. Just an amazing place, man. If you ever get the chance, come and check out Kuala Lumpur. It's not really like a tourist place. If you're just a tourist who wants to go to places and take photos to upload to Instagram, no, nah, Kuala Lumpur's well's pretty much shit for that. But if you want to go someplace to stay for a month or a couple of months and just slowly take it in, walk around... Talk to lots of the locals. The locals will talk, man. They love talking. Uh, Enjoy some nice food. Have a low cost of living. Get other things done. Yeah, man. Kuala Lumpur is sensational. I'm a huge fan. So much better than I expected. And I'd heard some good things, but yeah, I'm a big fan. But uh, I have to go now because this apartment complex does have a gym. And it's time for me to go and use it. Stop being lazy. So about midday now. I started recording, what, an hour ago? Time for JLB to sign off. Thanks to all the people for leaving comments in the comments section below. And uh, if you want to know more about any of this, just head along to johnlebon.com, J-O-H-N-L-E-B-O-N.com. There is a ton of articles, podcasts, videos about all kinds of topics, many of them free. Many of them free for you to check out for yourself, come up with your own opinions, and uh, always feel free to contact me as well. You can find my email address at that website, johnlebon.com. So thanks again to all the people out there for all the well wishes and uh, all the positive sentiments. I do appreciate it very much. And uh, to all of you who have negative sentiments to share and uh, nasty things to say, well, I hope in time you can make peace with whatever it is that's leading you to act out in such a negative way. Because it does not help you in any way, shape or form. Unless, of course, you're a non-player character who was scripted to do that. In which case, I guess you're just following out your programming. Until next time, you guys, take care of yourselves.